great to be together. I want to welcome you to the South Bay Church. If you're visiting with us, we're really g- glad to have you with us. This is the first time we're trying uh, to have a worship service at a seaside lagoon. We've never done this before, but it's really cool. Look around you. If you haven't had a chance, turn around and look that direction. It's gorgeous. I get the best view. You guys have to look up here. It's kind of ugly structure, but amen. You'll get to turn around here in a minute. But I'm Brian, and I'm one of the uh, ministers with the church here at South Bay Church. We're really grateful to have you with us. And uh, we've been doing a, a series this month called uh, Victorious. We've been talking about victory. And uh, we talked about victory on the mountain two weeks ago. Last week, uh, Steve preached victory to the ends of the earth. And the title of my lesson today is The Victor's Crown. And I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll uh, jump into the, the word of God here. Let's pray. God, thank you to be able to worship you. Uh, Thank you that you are the God that created everything around us. And thank you that you hear us when we cry to you, when we call to you. As we, uh, in that last song we sang, as we ask you to be with us and to walk with us and help us. God, thank you that you hear us and that you help us. Even though you're the creator of all the ends of the earth and all the universe, that you uh, care about each one of our lives individually. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us here tonight. Even in this short time in in the word of God, I pray that each one of us would come away uh, with something, God, something to take home, something that your spirit speaks to us. I pray you'd really speak through me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The victor's crown. Uh, be turning to First Corinthians 9 if you're not there already. Uh, one of our family's favorite movies is Nacho Libre. How many of you guys have seen Nacho Libre? Okay. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's funny how many uh, just opportunities in life uh, a Nacho Libre quote is perfect for, like, that's the best, or I have made it especially delicious today, you know, whatever, just everything that's going on, did you tell them it was the Lord's chips, you know, we'll say that all the time, but one of our favorite ones that we say in our household is, I want a ween, you know that part, Nacho Libre, he's tired of losing all the time, he's getting paid to wrestle, but it's not what he wants, he wants to win, and so he says, I want a ween, and uh, we're talking about the victor's crown tonight. And uh, anybody had that feeling of winning? You know, maybe you won a championship uh, on an on a organized team. Maybe you uh, won a tournament. Maybe you won a particular event. And you know that feeling of winning. I know for myself, uh, I, 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 I love to play different sports, but I wasn't on many organized sports growing up. So I, 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 was, I, I was trying to remember a time that I was on a championship team that won or something like I didn't really have much, you know. I was on a, I was on the swim team in high school. I joined the swim team because if you were on a, a sport, you didn't have to take PE, and so I wanted to take extra electives because that's the type of person I was. I wanted to take extra art and, and band and stuff, you know. So I was on the swim team, but it was kind of like, oh, I'm going to try this. I, I can swim, and oh my gosh, it was hard. And uh, the best best I ever did is in a JV meet, I came in third in breaststroke. So that was pretty awesome. But uh. But I do remember in college, uh, we, 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 there was at the, I was at the University of Colorado in Boulder, huge school, and a really cool area, really cool city, really cool campus. But they had this battle of the bands for CU, Boulder. And I thought, oh, let's, let's try this. So I made a tape. This was a tape. This was a long time ago. Uh, I made a tape with, with me and my best friend Marshall uh, of, of some songs. And I had a keyboard, so I kind of programmed the drums and the bass and, and, and those parts. And then I, we didn't have, I didn't have a multi-track recording. I just played that recording and sang along to it while my friend Marshall played guitar. And we just kind of recorded it into a, you know, a cheap tape deck or whatever. And, and I did a few songs that I'd written and that kind of thing. 
And then come to find out we were selected to play for the Battle of the Bands. And I couldn't really believe it. It was like, wow. And it was in like a week. And so it's like, okay, we got to get a band together. So there was a brother in the campus ministry that played bass. And actually, there wasn't a bass player. We just used my keyboard. But there was a guy that played, uh, played drums. And there was a, a brother that played a, a clarinet. And there was a brother that could sing a little bit. So we threw a band together in a week. We were doing rehearsals in my dorm room. We couldn't make much noise because it's a dorm room. So you've got to be quiet. So the brother's playing drums on pillows, you know, just kind of learning. So then the Saturday comes. It's the Battle of Bands. And we, thank God, we were the last one in the lineup. And there was like eight or ten bands that were playing. And this was huge. They had walls of speakers, you know, like ten feet tall on each side of this big stage, just totally tricked out. All these bands that had been touring and like were signed to record label, you know what I mean? Like real bands. And there, here, here we are. We're the, we're the last act. So we, we rented a room. You could rent rooms in, 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 in dorms, like meeting rooms. We rented a room. And the first time to practice with full sound was that Saturday of Battle of the Bands. We practiced for like a few hours and then we got to the gig and, and we were there and, and we had a campus ministry, a bunch of college students that were part of the church, probably of about 40 college students or so, maybe 50, whatever. So they were all there and they kind of infiltrated the group, you know. And so as we're playing, they're like screaming and, and cheering and, and they, they form like a conga line and they're, they're going all around. And, you know, pretty much all these other students start coming, you know, because it's like this, this party happening, you know. And they're like, wow, these guys are really good. You know, we were playing, you know, these songs I'd written. We played a Peter Gabriel song and a UB40 song and, you know, a few things that maybe people heard of, but. But it was so funny. So, I mean, the energy is getting up, amped and amped and amped at the end. You know, we're just like, ah, you know, uh, you know, stage dive into the audience, you know, that kind of a, a, you know, feel. And so at the very end of it, you know, they, they come up and they say, the battle of the band's winner is Troubadour. That was the name of our band. You know, we won the battle of the bands. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't really us. It was God and, and the, the campus ministry. But, uh, but I remember that feeling of winning, you know, that feeling of being victorious. And, and we all love that feeling. I mean, I think that's why we like to watch the Olympics. You guys watching the Olympics right now? And we just love that feeling of, 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 of winning the battle. And what's cool is God put that in you. God put in you the desire to be a winner. And that's the one point I want you to take away from our time here today is I want to win. So let's all say that with Nacho Libre. You can say it with a Nacho Libre accent if you want. One, two, three. I want to win. Okay, so I want you to remember that. 1 Corinthians 9. Paul is uh, talking here. This is a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. And he's talking about uh, different, he's writing back to them about different issues that they had brought up. And so he's kind of addressing one issue after another after another and uh, all these different issues that they had written him about. And he takes a little bit of a, of a segue here in, in, in chapter nine as he's talking about freedom in Christ and having freedom. Like, for example, he says uh, in verse uh, 13, uh, therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall in sin, I will never eat meat again, so I will not cause him to fall. Oh, in verse nine, he says, this is first Corinthians eight, verse nine. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. So he's talking about here, like there's things that are okay to do, but you shouldn't do like there's things that maybe you have the freedom to do, but we got to do what's best for the kingdom, what's best for the body of Christ. And so then that 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 starts him on this track of talking about his own ministry. And there were people that were criticizing Paul. And there were people that were saying, you know, kind of 
maybe impugning his motives a little bit. So he's talking in defense of his ministry in chapter 9, and he's talking about his own inner motivations. So we get a, a window here in, in chapter 9 into Paul's motives and, and why he does what he does. And he says things like, woe to me if I don't preach. I'm compelled to preach the gospel. I feel like I just have to tell people the good news about Jesus. And he says, uh, I become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. You know, Paul says, I'll do whatever it takes to help people to get to know God. And we just see his motivation. And then here at the end of chapter nine, he kind of turns it on his readers. He turns it on us and he says how we should be like him in this way. In verse 24, he says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes into the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You know, he, he's saying, what are your inner motivations? Why do you do what you do? What keeps you going? What's your inner combustion like and he and he challenges us a little bit and he uses an example that we can all relate to it's the olympics they had the olympics back in paul's time that's where we got it from and so when he says in the games these people go into strict training he's talking about the olympic games so that's something that we're watching on tv right now and he says these guys you know all the runners run but only one gets the gold run in such a way as to get the prize run in such a way as to get the gold what do you think he means there I think he's talking about give God your best. Don't just go through the motions. Give your very best. He says these people go into strict training. Think about what it takes to be an Olympic athlete. I mean, the, the amount of time they put in. Dessa, my wife, Dessa, had a friend who was a, an awesome ice skater, and she was hoping to maybe go to the Olympics someday. And it's amazing. She would, she would skate for like four, five, six hours a day. I mean, all year long. I mean, it affected her whole life. Think of the strict training the Olympic athletes go into, what they eat, what, how much sleep they get. You know, every, everything is affected by this. But he says they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. What we're doing has eternal significance. Isn't that so encouraging? That what we're doing is it, it will last forever. He says, don't run like a man running aimlessly. Uh, you know, can you imagine uh, being at the starting line for the race and then just kind of taking off and just kind of heading in whatever direction, you know, just kind of wandering aimlessly around the neighborhood? That's kind of the way some of us live our Christian lives, though. Kind of like we're just reacting to whatever comes our way. You know, like like we just live these reactionary lives rather than being deliberate, being focused, having a plan, having a direction. Being focused, being intentional. I think that's what he means by not running aimlessly. He says, I beat my body. I make it my slave. Uh, you know, there, we, we have control over ourselves. Sometimes we feel like we don't. And sure, surely we all are sinful. I am sinful. You're sinful. We all mess up. We, we can't help that we're going to blow it. But, but we can be self-controlled and we can get better at controlling ourselves. And, and what Satan wants to try to do is make you feel like, uh, you know, you can't control your response. You know, so many so funny, so many times when when we get with with a couple uh, who are trying to help in their marriage and 
All the husband sees is all the wife's issues. And all the wife sees is all the husband's issues. You know, and they're excited to get together because they want to kind of get the other one in trouble. And, and then they're surprised because, you know, one starts sharing and then we kind of, well, what about you? You know, and kind of, oh, man, that's not what I wanted. I wanted her to get in trouble, you know. But, but, but we do that and, and it starts early. I mean, I've got uh, kids that, that they, they, it's hard for them to see the other one's uh, the other one's side of you. You know what I mean? They, it's like all they see is what they, he did it to me first. Well, she did it to me first. You know, it starts young. We're, we're that way. And yet we can beat our body. We can make it our slave. There is a space between stimulus and response where we can take control. And that, that's what it means to, to be self-disciplined. And the older we get as a Christian, the more we should be like Paul. who He says, I beat my body. I make it my slave. In other words, he says, I, I'm not going to allow my body to dictate my Christianity. But as we look at this verse, I think we need to be willing to persevere. We need to be willing to be, be called higher, be willing to be stretched, be willing to suffer, be willing to, to be continually renewed, continually reinvented. And most of all, never, ever, ever, ever quit. Because if these Olympic athletes can do it for something that doesn't last, how much more for the eternal? Amen? And no one in the Olympics right now is going, okay, how, how can I get through this without suffering at all? You know, I, how can I, how can, what's the bare minimum I need to go, do to get by? You know, now they're willing to change their diet. They're willing to, to be coached. They're willing to miss sleep. They're willing to travel anywhere. They're willing to be ordered around by these coaches and go through these emotional ups and downs. Why? Because they want to win. And so it affects the way they live. And, and, and Paul looks at that example and he goes, that's the way to be a Christian. Is to have that heart of, I want to win. I, I'm not just going through the motions. I'm not just playing church. I'm not just reacting to what comes my way. I want to win. I want to face life that way. Listen to this verse. It's James 1.12 if you want to write it down. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let me read that one more time. Think about how encouraging that is. Blessed is the one who perseveres. That means it's hard. It's not called perseverance if it's easy, right? Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. None of us want trials, but they come. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. There will be trials. There will be uh, difficulties. Maybe in your finances you're going through a trial right now. Maybe in your health. Maybe with your kids. Maybe with your school. Uh, maybe unrealized expectations, maybe whatever. There, there are trials that you're going through, but you've got to decide, how will I respond to this? Will I respond like someone who wants to win? Or I will, will I you know, respond by complaining and, or suffering, or, you know, uh, complaining about my suffering, quitting, whatever, you know, blaming God? I think we need to have this spiritual uh, attitude that Paul wants us to have. Maybe you're an older Christian and you've been around a long time and, and uh, you know, you you can kind of fade a little bit in your in your zeal over time if you're not careful. You can kind of go through the motions. You're not going to fall into those sins you did as a young Christian, maybe. And you can kind of think, OK, well, I can kind of go through, but without really relying on God, without really being on the edge. 
And what happens is you start to kind of lose your zeal. You start to lose your excitement about Christianity. You're just kind of, you're here. Amen. You're here. But you can kind of lose the zeal and excitement of just being alive. And you can feel like, man, I'm just so, my heart is hard. I'm just so far off. I mean, Steve shared about that last week a little bit about his heart being hard. And we can think, oh, I'm so far from being fired up for God. But really, it just takes a few days, a few good quiet times. Go out and do something, you know, go share your faith with somebody, uh, get involved in a Bible study with somebody. And suddenly your faith is all on fire again. So if you're an older Christian and, and you're and you're kind of losing heart, I, I challenge you to reignite your faith tonight. Maybe you're a young Christian and you've got a lot of idealism and you're excited about what God's doing in your life. And you're watching yourself change and it's exciting. But you know what happens a lot of times is Satan will trip you up. You know, and you fall into some old sin again, some big sin or or maybe someone in the church hurts you. Anybody here in the church ever been hurt by someone in the church? OK, so if you're a new Christian, someone will hurt you here because we're a bunch of sinners and we don't want to hurt you. But we just we mess up. But Satan will try to get you to quit on your faith because of some person, what they did to you. You know, you got to hold on to your faith. Fight for your faith if you're a young Christian. You encourage us by your faith and keep going. Maybe you're a guest tonight and maybe you're a little skeptical about Christianity, you know, and, and you've, you've seen so many people who are hypocritical. Uh, you've seen so much, you know, garbage out there, false Christianity or whatever. And maybe you accepted the Lord Jesus like 12 times and it still hasn't worked, you know, and you feel like, man, I, I this thing doesn't work. You know, I, I just encourage you, don't. Don't give up on, on God. Don't give up on, on the Bible. Find your faith. Open the Bible. We would love to just open the Bible with you. It's amazing how when you just get the Bible open, how powerful it is and how much your life will be changed, how much you'll be amazed. Uh, just a few practicals here. Uh, have a daily regimen. You know, Olympic athletes have a daily regimen. Uh, spiritually, I think of things like having a daily quiet time, reading your Bible every day. Praying to God, having a set prayer time, not just, oh, yeah, I'm praying all the time. I'm praying right now. Well, amen. But, you know, have a set time that's set aside to be with God, you know, have a daily routine, have a daily routine for evangelism, have somewhere you go where you're able to meet people. Uh, Coaching, you know, that nobody goes to the Olympics going, I got this on my own. I don't need any coaching. I'll, I'll be fine. You know, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this a long time. No one does that. If they do, they don't last very long. You know, you need coaching. You need objective opinions. You need other people in your life. We're a church that believes in getting involved in each other's lives. And if you don't have a spiritual coach, there's there's people here tonight that would love to be your spiritual coach. Make sure you're you're in regular discipling times with people that are helping you and coaching you. Uh, Last practical here is to have spiritual goals. Olympic athletes have very specific goals that they try to meet. And, And I think it's spiritually we should have goals. We should have plans. Uh, maybe it's finishing reading the whole Bible in a year. Maybe it's helping someone to become a Christian this year. Maybe it's, uh, you know, fa- for uh, goals for family members or, you know, for your kids or for your extended family. Or maybe it's to, to, to meet in, uh, everybody in your neighborhood and know the names of the people on your street. I don't know what it is, but have some kind of spiritual goal. I remember a brother whose spiritual goal was to memorize First and Second Timothy. You know, that's awesome. Have some kind of spiritual goal or something you're changing in your character. That you really want to see God change this year. But have some kind of spiritual goals and set them before God that God would help you accomplish those. Don't you want to be like Paul who at the end of his life was able to say this? Listen to what he says. 
in Second Timothy. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who've longed for his appearing. Both this verse and the one in James say we all get the crown. We all get to win. Isn't that awesome that we get the, the, the crown of victory just like Paul does? I don't understand exactly what that means. I don't know exactly what heaven's going to be like or what happens when we die. But you know what I do know is God is a pretty awesome God. And I want to be with him. I, and I do know that God really makes cool stuff. I mean, if you look, I mean, when you look at the ocean, when you look at PV, when you look at the sky, when you look at the sunset here in a little bit, you know, if you go up to the mountains, if you go to the, the Sequoia National Forest and you see those trees or you go to SeaWorld and you watch these whales doing these tricks, these, you know, incredible creatures God made. God is an amazing creator. And if he if he goes, yeah, this world was just the warm up. This was just kind of temporary. This is just a, a, a tent. I'm working on the real one. This is the old, old, heaven, old heaven and old earth will pass away. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. I know it's going to be awesome. I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but I know it's going to be awesome. Think about the most awesome part of God's creation. Heaven is going to be so much more awesome. And it's going to be so much worth it. God says, I'm making everything new. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There'll be no more tears, no more longing, no more pain, no more heartache, no more death, no more hunger, no more poverty. And that's where I want you to, to end up with me forever. It's going to be so worth it. And, and, and Paul says you know, that, that, that Olympic athlete who wins the victory, that's a little taste, kind of a little glimpse of what it'll be like. So as you watch the Olympics and you see the person win gold and there's tears streaming down their face as the, the anthem is being sung, think about that's what it's going to be like when God crowns me. You know, well done, good and faithful servant. Man, that's gonna, I'm going to get to stand on that top, not the, not the side ones, the top one. You know what I mean? It's going to be so worth it. And say to yourself, I want to win. You might be feeling like, well, I don't know if I have what it takes. I mean, that's challenging. I, I get tired every day. I don't know if I can keep going. I, I don't know if I can finish the race. I don't have what it takes. You know what? That's true. You don't have what it takes. And neither do I. That's why we have Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? We all are, we, we all are messed up. But we have Jesus and, and turn to Hebrews 12, and then we're going to say a prayer for communion. We'll look at this verse and then pray for communion. We have someone who's gone before us, who's run the race ahead of us, and who can give us hope when we do feel weak. You know, Jesus comes to us in our darkest, our downest times. And he, makes, he meets us there, and he pays the price for our sin, and he says, I'm going to take you with me. Just ride along with me and we're going to go on into victory. We'll make it to the finish line. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray.
God, I know we can all grow weary and lose heart at times. As we look at the Olympic athletes and their commitment and their discipline and how hard they work, it's a challenge from Paul to be like that when it comes to our Christianity. But Father, help us to to fix our eyes on Jesus, to look at what he did, look at how he endured, uh, look at how he persevered under trial. And I pray that would give us encouragement to cast off the sin and the things that entangle us and help us to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God, I know the victor's crown is so worth it. Thank you for this time that we have every Sunday to take communion, to take the bread and the fruit of the vine, which symbolizes his body and his blood that was given for us. And thank you that we can have this time of remembrance right now. And I uh, pray you'd bless our time of communion. Thank you to be together. Thank you for tonight. Bless our, the rest of our evening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.